welcome to the Business Brainwave Show with Renata Jute, where we will look at ways to optimize your business. So, September month is Trust Month at Noble Prosperity, and I'm so excited to introduce and bring to you Fear Funder Spey from Trustees as my guest. I didn't uh, interview with Fear that stretched uh, over quite a period of time, and uh, I then broke up that interview into several uh, smaller podcasts, and I will be bringing those podcasts to you during the month of September. So if you are interested in all things trusts, and you want to know how trusts are affected by the taxes and the law and what the master has to say about trusts, then stick around. Make sure that you pick up on all the podcasts during the month of September where Fear Funder Spay from Trustees will be my guest. Okay, great. So next thing up, we are looking at trustee amendments and when trustees can act. So over my years, I have also been privy to agreements coming across my desk where, for instance, trustees, well, people that believe they are trustees would want to purchase, for instance, a property. And then I see they've done the following property to be purchased in the name of a trust to be formed. Now, we cannot do this. You cannot act when you are not a trustee. You are not a trustee if the trust has not been formed. When has the trust been formed? When you have the letter of authority from the master with the stamp at the bottom that says this trust was formed at the master of the high court wherever on this date. That is when your trust can now, when you can act as a trustee. So Fia, over to you, because I know you've also, we've discussed these things and you've seen many of these as well. So Share with us some of your pearls of wisdom. Yes, I think, uh, you know, that's where we see a lot of trouble because uh, if you do enter into transactions and you are not authorized to act, you know, you are going to run into to, um, difficulty to the extent where that specific transaction or those transactions may be null and void. So I think the starting point is when we register the trust, when can you start acting? As Renata said, you cannot act before you actually have registered the trust and have got the letters of authority. And there's a specific case, Cunningham Murat versus the Bester case in 2017, where the, the court said, you know, a trust is recognized only when it's registered um, with the master and, um, you know, the letters of authority has been issued. So, because they go hand in hand, because you cannot act without being physically um, authorized by the master. So, a lot of people, you know, get, I think, a little bit confused because the trustee says, we hereby appoint, uh, you know, the following person, or the trustees have a mandate or authority to appoint people. You know, people sign all the stacks of documents, and then I think, aha, now I'm a trustee. That is just a nomination. So, you are not authorized, right? So when uh, trustees or your will or um, anybody else appoint trustees, that's just a nomination. That nomination then has to go to the master. So although the master, you know, generally speaking, does not have um, an authority not to appoint you as a trustee, however, now in the master's directive, they said, you know, if 
you are meeting one of the disqualification criteria for when you should be removed as a trustee. For example, um, you've been sequestrated. Um, for example, you um, have been in jail. Then uh, you are automatically disqualified. So the master said that when the master appoints new trustees, they actually have to use the similar measures to actually you know, uh, not appoint a trustee. So the, the fact that you are nominated does not necessarily mean you are going to be authorized by the master. And again, that is the document outsiders rely on in terms of, you know, have the correct people signed, you know, this uh, resolution um, or contracts. So they can rely on, on what, you know, the master, um, you know, have authorized in terms of, you know, which parties have to be party to transactions from which dates. So um, the courts, you know, have been going backwards and forwards with this. There was a simplex case in, I think, 1996, where um, the court said, you know, you can only act once you're authorized by the master. And then there was a later case um, in, when was that? Uh, the Kropman case in 1999, where the court said, mm, you know what? A court can actually ratify some of the transactions as long as those transactions uh, were done in the best interest of the beneficiaries. And then they turned all around again in the Lupuccini case and said, no, 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 no. You can only act as a trustee when you're actually authorized by the master. Now then, once, so once a trust is registered, it's okay because now we have trustees. Now the issue comes, now some resign, some new ones get appointed. Exactly, exactly the same principle applies. You cannot act before you're actually authorized by the master. It's not when you are appointed. And uh, the master's directive, you know, also um, clarified that. Um, then in 2016, there was a Hanukkah case where uh, the court said the master can't just rubber stamp. You know, they must actually, when you appoint a trustee, and then again, as I said, you know, the fact that you are nominated or appointed by the trustees or anybody else doesn't mean you're going to be authorized by the master. So in that Hanukkah case, the court said you can't just rubber stamp. You know, the master can't rubber stamp. They must actually look that that appointment is done in terms of, for example, the trust deed um, and that that person is not automatically disqualified to not act as a trustee. So there is a further step required, definitely. So now if some people, you know, there's a board of trustees and you're so happy that you're appointed as a trustee, you start attending meetings, you sign resolutions. Now the courts are saying, what, what are those transactions? You know, are they valid? Are they void? Until such time as you are authorized, can they be ratified? I mean, it, it becomes really, really complicated. So there was a, um, a high construction case in 2015 where the court said, you know, as long as, you know, there's a very important principle that you would find in, in most of the trustees. It speaks about a minimum number of trustees. And you can understand that, for example, if there has to be at least a minimum of two trustees, it actually helps protecting the trust from abuse by a single remaining trustee that they can just do hire and fire in the trust, you know, make distributions, make changes to kind of benefit themselves. So it's there for a specific purpose. And it, it helps to have you know, more than one body to actually deciding over matters. So if you have that um, minimum number of trustees um, that's required, the courts are saying in this specific court case, they said, you know what, if trustee number three was appointed and he started signing documents with the other two, um, you know, as long as the minimum number of required trustees uh, were in office and authorized by the master, that transaction will still stand. However, if the number uh, fell below the, the minimum required and that person's appointment would bring it up to the minimum, then clearly, you know, that transaction wouldn't stand and it would be null and void. 
So you need to be very careful, you know, who's signing resolutions. You have your sub-minimum number of, of trustees. The moment you're getting close to that sub-minimum number of trustees and that, you know, one of the sub-minimum falls away and, you know, fall below that, you know, you must understand that absolutely no transaction would be valid until such time as you have an appointed trustee. Now, be very mindful because the process at the master's offices are very slow at the moment, especially with COVID and with their own internal challenges. Um, you know, very important to understand that you better jump when that number falls below the sub-minimum because literally every transaction that you would do um, would be null and void and your trust would basically come to a standstill. Now, we know we have to make distributions, we have to pay maintenance, we have to pay school fees. You know, uh, you, you, you can't do any of those um, until such time as that sub-minimum number of trustees are appointed. Yeah. I think that's a very important uh, point as far as the appointment of trustees are concerned. And probably the more dangerous one is when you're hitting that sub-minimum number of trustees um, and when you can actually start acting. And a trust to be formed, especially as far as property transactions are concerned, can't do. the court said absolutely no. And that's even in terms of the... Um, uh, Land and the Nation Act as well. Mm. So as far as resignations are concerned, now people say, you know, I want to resign. I'm, you know, involved in this horrific trust. I just need to get away from it. Now I have to rely on the master to one day potentially take me off and I have to drag along and be co-responsible and expose myself until the master takes me off. And that's where it's gone a little bit out of sync. That's what I'm saying. You need mm. to be always counting what, who are your effective trustees? Are we dropping by the, below the sub-minimum? Because the master now, because of the inefficiencies there, the court in the Mayer case um, said that, um, you know, as long as you have tendered your resignation in terms of the act, and we'll speak about that now, and the master has stamped um, your resignation, you know, um, that would be sufficient proof to actually uh, remove you as a trustee and you no longer you know, seen as part of the board of trustees. So the Mayer case was in 2012 and um, very important to, to uh, understand that once the master removed you, then you no longer have to sign. So if that caused you to drop below your sub-minimum, you cannot sign anymore. So don't think you're going to wait until the letter of authority come back. You've got time to appoint new trustees. Um, the moment it's submitted with the master and it's out of sync with the, with the appointment because the appointment has to be done by the master, but the removal, as long as you have a signed, um, a, a, a stamped letter that you submitted to the master, then you can be removed. So um, our removal is done in terms of Section 21 of the Trust Property Control Act. So a lot of people get it wrong. Trust deeds get it wrong. And remember, trust deed cannot override law. Uh, Section 21 says, once a trustee, uh, uh, before, um, you know, Section 21 was brought in, uh, trustees did not have a common law right to resign. So once you're a trustee, you'll stay. <laughs> um, so Section 21 brought in a, a right of a trustee to resign at any time. So nobody can stop you or block you from resigning as a trustee. So I think that's also a, another important point. So once we resign, the Trust Property Control Act says you will write to the master and you will write to the beneficiaries. Hmm. Basically, beneficiaries have accepted benefits. Um, so a lot of trust deeds, a lot of trustees just write to the trustees and say, I resign. You know, they forget that they have to write to the beneficiaries. So unless you write to the beneficiaries, your resignation is actually invalid. So very important, especially if you want to get rid of a trust, um, uh, get out, out of a trust uh, and expose yourself. 
write to the master, obviously, because you're going to submit it there, also write to the beneficiaries um, and tell them that you've resigned. Out of, out of courtesy, you can write to the trustees, but the, the Trust Property Control Act, funny enough, doesn't require you to write to your co-trustees. Oh, I think, you know, I think it's very important for people to understand the differences and be mindful with who's resigning, who's coming on, mm. you know, at what point are you effectively removed, you know, when, when we actually submitted to the master, at what time we, we uh, authorized, only when you get letters of authority and what the implication may be if we drop below that uh, sub-minimum. Um, and very importantly, when you resign, make sure you write to the right people, otherwise your resignation is invalid in terms of Section 21. Yeah. And I think it's also important to be mindful that the only um, transaction, if one wants to call it uh, that, you may enter into when you fall below the minimum required number of trustees is the actual appointment of a new trustee. That is the only legitimate transaction that you can enter into. So when you yeah. fall below that number of trustees, the minimum number yeah. of trustees, the only yeah. transaction, the deed will even make a specific um, uh, provision for this is to say the only transaction you may enter into then is to actually appoint another trustee or a new trustee to bring you back up to the minimum number. Yeah. So that and is I think, yeah, yes. And, uh, while you're touching on that, I think it's very important to understand that whilst you're below that sub minimum, you, you are still appointed as a trustee. So you are duty bound yes. to maintain the asset. So you can't sit back and say, Oh, I can't do nothing. I don't care mm. whether, you know, uh, a trust property, you know, kind of, you know, goes to waste while we're waiting for this new appointment and takes so long with the master. Mm. You must understand that you are duty bound and the, the master's directive in 2017 made it very clear that uh, all trustees still have to maintain the trust property. So I think, you know, how long is a, is a, is a piece of string uh, in terms of how far can you stretch that in terms of maintenance of, 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 of trust assets, you know, yes. while we're in this process of appointing a, a trustee. But yeah, to bind the trust with external uh, transactions, you know, is ab 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 absolutely not allowed. And you would have to wait until that new trustee is appointed. Thanks for listening to this episode of Business Brainwaves. For more Business Brainwaves, please visit my website nobleprosperity.co.za, follow me on Facebook or connect with me on LinkedIn. For easy access, the links are posted below.